morning, church. Welcome to the Eternity Life Podcast, Episode 1. Today is January 3rd, 2020. It's a new year. Actually, it's a new decade. And perhaps it's time to talk about how today you are a new creation. Now, since this is a new podcast, I'm imagining the audience who might be listening. I'm imagining you. And here are some assumptions that I've made. I imagine that you are conscientious and caring, that you're a thoughtful citizen, that you hold to Christian beliefs, and that you care about our world. You care about how we live, you care about our children, and you care about the world we are leaving to them. My name is Pastor Daniel. I'm a pastor at Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cary, North Carolina, and I'm on a mission with this podcast to get back to Jesus. No talk of attendance numbers or church decline or dogma. This podcast gets straight to the point of why Jesus lived and died for us. And the topic that I believe Jesus brought up at every conversation is this one. He steered every conversation he had back to offer us eternity life. Jesus lived and taught to show us the way the early church called being a follower of Jesus to follow the way. And the way to what? To the good life. And in order to get Jesus, in order to understand his message, we must reframe our lives to live inside of God's life our lives inside of God's benevolent universe. It's his house. We're just living in one of the rooms. There's no ego in eternity life. It's not about me or about you. We must see ourselves as part of one another, connected to each other, just like the way the Good Samaritan takes care of the man who's hurt. So the eternity life is a way of looking at scripture that helps us in our present reality, that are teaching us the good life, like the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments aren't there to make us suffer. They're there to show us the way to the good life where everybody works together in harmony. These words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The good life. What about Jesus' most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, where he gives us the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Even the poor are entitled to the good life, the eternity life. And when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, he says similar things. Thy kingdom come to God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, bringing God's kingdom here. And on his last night, Jesus breaks bread in a meal with his disciples. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. He gives them bread and says, this is my body given for you. I'm giving myself for you. And I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Give yourself away. Pour yourself out to others that you might live in me and I might live in you, that I abide in you and you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Do you see how each of these parts of scripture are explicit commands for living the good life? Can you imagine if people actually lived like Jesus taught us to live? Can you imagine how great the world would be? And if they did, 
Wouldn't you want to live forever? That, friends, is the eternity life. And today we're going to talk about the key to changing the way you see your life. And that starts with the view of time. We just finished the Christmas services at my church. We did nine of them, and it was joyful. It was a joyful marathon with a few sprints in between. It would be so easy for me to say as a busy pastor at Christmas time, as a guitarist in three of the worship bands by choice, as a husband and a father of three, I could easily tell you that I was just too busy to enjoy Christmas. There's not enough time, I could tell you, and maybe get some sympathy from you, like the world made me do all those things. The world made me set all those high expectations. The world defined my motivations for me. Or I could tell you that on December 23rd at 9.30 p.m., our bathtub leaked through the ceiling of our dining room, and we went to bed the day before the busiest day of the year for me with our water turned off at the street. I don't have time for this, I could say. One way to think about the eternity life is to think about abundance versus scarcity. And nothing starts us talking about scarcity more than a conversation about time. Most of us view time as something that's scarce, something we don't have enough of. There aren't enough hours in the day or days in the week or uh, our kids are growing up too quickly, etc. If we view time as scarce... Aren't we always judging this moment as whether it's worthy or not of our precious, precious time? Someone's in pain and they want to spend a moment with us on the phone or in person. And we think, do I have time for this? My daughter wants me to watch her lip sync to Frozen 2 for the hundredth time. And I think this is not on my calendar. See, when we view time as scarce, we view people as resources, to get what we want or not. We view people as distractions away. Time is precious. I don't have time for this. We view people as a means to our own ends. That is not the Jesus way. And when we view time as scarce, what do we think about Jesus or the church? We view it as another distraction. We view Jesus as someone who is inspirational, who lived a long time ago. Thanks for the salvation. And we promise to move Jesus up to our concrete list of things to do when he comes back to judge us, (laughs) to judge the living and the dead. A big part of the problem with today's Christian life is that it has Jesus firmly situated in the past and in the future, and not in the present. If Jesus lived long ago, died, and went to heaven, that solves that. That's in the past. It's wrapped up. We like that story. We watch that movie when we want to feel good about good, triumphing over evil. Sometimes we call that story Star Wars or Harry Potter, which are both two modern-day examples of the Jesus story. We like it when the good people win. It makes us feel good. That's a good story. And when we get to church, we say the Apostles' Creed at my church. We believe in Jesus who was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead and on the third day rose again. He ascended. He's on the throne. And then we go from past tense to he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Wait, we talked about Jesus in the past 
And then we skipped right on to talking about Jesus in the future. And we yada yada through Jesus today. But today is where Jesus lives. Eternity doesn't start yesterday and pick up again tomorrow. Eternity is today. And today is one of Jesus' most favorite words. Today, he says, salvation has come to this house. Today, your faith has healed you. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that today that Jesus means is not the today of 2,000 years ago. It was meant to resonate in God's living creation in the present tense, in the present moment. Eternity cannot be contained in the past and in the future. Eternity is a present reality. Because things that happened yesterday or tomorrow don't affect me as much as things that happen today. And that's why Jesus so often ends up on our back burner. Because it's not affecting us right now. And that's the problem with the modern Christian movement. And rediscovering the mission of Jesus is the theme of this podcast. Friends, in eternity life, time is not scarce it is abundant. You know, all of us who were rushing to get to Christmas and thinking there's not enough time, there's not enough time, there's not enough time, those are all adults. Think about children. Do they look at the time leading up to Christmas as not enough time? Absolutely not. They think there's too much time, that there's an overabundance of days leading up to Christmas. Might that be the faith like a child component that Jesus encourages us to live into? The idea that time is not scarce, but abundant. The truth is, we live twice as long as people did a hundred years ago. Is time really that scarce? And when we go around treating life like it's scarce, and then we don't have enough time, at what point does that become a self-fulfilling prophecy? I've tried this in my own life. I've tried to practice what I preach. And when I start thinking that there's not enough time, I check in on my motivations. And then I realize that my motivations are often driven by expectations that are sometimes imaginary. Why am I stressing about this project? Well, because I thought it wouldn't take this long, and now I'm mad that I was wrong. And when I look at, say, my time with my children, not as scarce, but abundant, it turns into quality time. There's a word for that. We call it kairos time. When we are with our kids and we're scrolling through our phones looking at mostly nothing, aren't we just saying, I don't have time for this? Which begs the question, what do we have time for? When you look at your motivations, who is in control? When you look at your expectations, who is managing them? And guess what? You can relax because I'm not going to suggest that you're all wrong or that you need self-help or that you're the problem. The problem is the worldview. We are not in charge of the universe. We are not in charge. It's God's house and we're living in it. And here's, I don't know, a crazy idea. What if we let Jesus manage 
our motivations? What if we let Jesus set our expectations, not in the past or in the future, but today? Consider this story from John chapter 6. There's people gathered all around Jesus at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, and things are going really well. Uh, Thousands of people have chosen to follow Jesus, not to go down into Jerusalem, as is their custom for Passover. They've decided to not live in the past, but to do a new thing. They're up with Jesus up by the water, and they realize that there's not enough food to feed everyone, and the disciples panic. In their scarcity model, there's not enough. There's not enough. And they want Jesus to solve their problem. Well, Jesus tells the disciples to be part of the solution. And you know the story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. There's just a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish, and they make sure that everyone has enough. The problem wasn't scarcity. The problem was distribution. And after everyone's had their fill... Jesus begins to teach and preach and says, I am the bread of life, but you don't live just by bread alone. You live by the words of God, and you need to listen to these these eternal words. And you know what the people do? They get up and they leave. They left unchanged. They didn't want his eternity life. They wanted a mortal life with a little bit of food And once the food was gone, once their bellies were full, they left. And Peter, there with the disciples, has a very beautiful, intimate moment with Jesus. Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternity life. You have the words of eternity life. I love this story because it reminds us that people sometimes treat Jesus like a means to an end, like a meal for today, and then they left. They didn't want to hear the message that he lives in us and we live in him, that we're all connected, that we're connected to God as the source of all light and life. They got a little bit, and they left. They staved off scarcity for a moment and moved on. But what Jesus was offering wasn't just a moment away from scarcity. He's offering a life of abundance. This is the life that Peter turns to Jesus and says, You have the words of eternity life. Now, I know you've heard this story before, and actually in the Lutheran Church, we sing it, and we often say, you have the words of eternal life. So why am I translating this as eternity life rather than eternal life? Well, simply put, eternal life has been used to talk about what happens to us after we die. It has little to no application on our day-to-day living in the present moment, and that is not what Jesus is getting at. 
When Jesus offers us eternity life, it does not have a start point of the day we die. It is a life in which we are invited into. In our mortal existence, we are invited into immortality today to live in God's presence, in God's beautiful creation, living the good life the way God wants us to. That's the goal of eternity life. And if you look it up in Strong's Concordance, Strong's Dictionary is the one that people who study scripture in the Greek refer to because it gets at what the word meant in its time. And Strong's Dictionary has the word eternity as ianos, eternity life. Ianos is the unique quality, reality of God's life at work in the believer. It's eternity life operating simultaneously outside of time, inside of time, and beyond time, i.e. what gives time its everlasting meaning for the believer through faith. Yet it is also time independent. Ianos does not focus on the future per se, but rather on the quality of the age it relates to, thus believers in eternity life right now, experience the quality of God's life now as a present possession. Note the present tense of having eternity life. This is exactly what Jesus came to tell us, that we can tap into our eternal essence, our eternal way of being in the world. And when we do that, we don't find a length of days, we find a depth of days. Eternity life is not a length of life. It's a quality of life. Thus, believers living in eternal life right now, experiencing the quality of God's life now as a present possession. It's something that is a present tense, like having eternal life. Sisters and brothers, eternity life is not a quantity of life, but a quality of life. It's not a quantity of days, but a quality of days. It's Kairos time. And it turns out that Jesus has these words of abundant life. Here we have a man who knows that he will die a brutal death. And the night before he dies, he doesn't try to cram in a hundred menial tasks. He doesn't ask God for more time. He gathers his closest friends together and shares with them a simple meal. He doesn't go to make life extravagant. He actually goes to make life more simple. And he offers them his life. Even though he's dying, he offers them a place in his life and he and theirs. At his last supper, Jesus doesn't live like a man who's dying. He lives like a man who's going to live forever. Eternity life is the good life, one in which worry, ego, and stress take a back seat so that loving relationships can drive. 
eternity life is not prosperity gospel, where God promises that you will be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. In fact, I'm not sure that eternity life has much to do with money at all, beyond the small group of things that keep you healthy and bring you joy. Because generosity is a big part of the eternity life. Eternity life is healthy and pure, joyful and sustainable, creative and cozy and fun. This is what this podcast is searching to find. The good life for you, for me, and the planet. And if we let Jesus lead the way, what might change for us? What life might be in store? Will you pray with me, church, in this new decade? Let us pray. Lord, you have the words of eternity life. Guide our paths. Be a light to our lives. Help us not to leave you, but to seek and find you and live our lives like you lived yours. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.